Happy Wednesday, Locked On Cardinals fans. Opening day is just one day away. Can hardly wait. Opening day at Bush Stadium is one of the best days of the year, and it is here tomorrow. No more spring training, nothing. Cardinals face the Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend in a four-game set. So Ethan Smith of Locked On Pirates is joining the show as we have our first crossover of the regular season. Ethan and I talk about the offseason for each of these two teams. We react to the roundtable discussion that we had yesterday with the other NL Central hosts, as well as take a look at the upcoming series between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. It's going to be a great series Opening day is finally here. Stay tuned for a great episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Locked On MLB fans? It is crossover Wednesday because opening day is tomorrow for the Cardinals and Pirates. He's Ethan Ethan Smith of Locked On Pirates. I'm Lucas Smith of Locked On Cardinals. Opening day a day away. Ethan, how excited are you? Can't can't be more excited, Lucas. Again, uh, we saw everything that happened with the lockout. It really looked like we weren't going to be getting baseball this soon. We do get baseball this soon anyway. For the Pirates and the Cardinals, two different trajectories heading into this year. But at the end of the day, it's baseball to watch. It's baseball that I will gladly watch all the way through October. And I cannot wait to see us play in Bushfield uh, tomorrow, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, and we, we, we talked about it on our NL Central Roundtable discussion yesterday, which was a ton of fun. So if you haven't uh, listened to that or watched that yet, um, head back after this episode and go listen to that Roundtable discussion. Lots of fun with the other NL Central hosts, but this might not be a powerhouse division like the AL East or the AL West, but man, this is going to be some fun baseball to watch because you've got a lot of storylines, as we'll discuss a little bit on today's crossover. We're going to kind of do an off-season recap for both these teams. And as you mentioned, Ethan, very different trajectory for both these teams in the off-season as well. We're also going to do a roundtable reaction and then a series preview as well as a season preview for each of these clubs. So Pirates were... You know, maybe not. They probably didn't sell honestly as much as the Reds did this offseason, but no. still plenty to sell for the Pirates. They got rid of Jacob Stallings at the catching position. Who knows how long Brian Reynolds is going to be a Pirate? What were your takeaways from the Pirate offseason? Um, well, the Jacob Stallings move was definitely interesting, I think, just because you look at the catcher depth on this team, and they did end up, uh, end up eventually getting Roberto Perez, who was probably the best catcher on the market as a free agent after that trade. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, they didn't really accomplish much of what a winning baseball team would have called a good off season. But as far as like where they are right now, they pick up Zach Thompson, Thompson, Connor Scott and Kyle Nicholas in that uh, Jacob Stallings trade. They didn't really lose anything of value either. I mean, you see Wilmer Defoe head out the door, Chad cool, Steven Brault, guys like that. But, those guys were never going to be a part of the future here. And that's really what 2022 is going to be. And that's kind of the movement that the pirates are trying to build here is 2022 and beyond. You're going to see a lot of these younger players finally get their chance. Yes. I know a lot of you wanted to see O'Neill Cruz. I wanted to see him on opening day, but Diego Castillo, young second baseman who has had a phenomenal spring leading the team in home runs with six home runs. I think seven after yesterday's spring training game. That was the last spring training game that we get to see. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be a lot of moving parts. But one thing I will speak on, too, there's a lot more depth on this team than there was last year. So I don't think you're going to be seeing a lot of nonsense that you might have saw at Bush Field with the Pirates that you would normally see. 
Yeah, the Pirates are definitely gearing towards the future, or at least that's what they tell their fans. There's there's a difference between just losing and rebuilding. I think the Pirates are finally starting to not just lose, Mm -hmm. but they're starting to rebuild. Uh, I saw you tweeted out on Tuesday that we could see Q. Brian Hayes on opening day, which is a good thing for you guys, Um, as as well as, like you mentioned, O'Neill Cruz could be coming up hopefully soon, not not on the opening day roster. But for the Cardinals' standpoint, they did a lot of things this offseason that they wanted to get done. They re-signed their, their, their legacy players, as John Mozeliak put it, with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. They were able to add a starter in Steven Matz, who looked very good in his final spring tune-up on Tuesday. They sure they got some depth pieces in the bullpen uh, with Verhagen, Whitgren, re-signing TJ McFarland. Their, their big splash was Albert Pujols, which might not have been the Trevor Story or the Frankie Montas or Sean Manaya type splash that the Cardinals wanted. But at the end of the day, I think that I would give this offseason anywhere from a B- minus to a B. Um, I, I could see an argument for a C-plus grade in the offseason. Um, sometimes you have to wait for these grades to play out, right? Like the Dodgers signing Freddie Freeman, that's an A move. Without a doubt, that's an A because you know what Freddie Freeman's going to give you. But for a guy like Albert Pujols, it's an A right now, but it could be a D by the end of the year, right? Like if he doesn't yep. perform, if he does things on the field that you don't expect him to. You just don't know. So the Cardinals, I think, have set themselves up very well for a division run. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about our roundtable discussion in a little bit. It was, it was pretty brewer heavy in terms of who uh, the the division winner is going to be. But outside of O'Neill Cruz, what, who are some prospects we could see um, break the major leagues this year for the Pirates? Well, and I already mentioned one, Diego Castillo definitely right. being one. He deserves it. I talked about this on my podcast yesterday. He absolutely on Monday. He absolutely deserves it. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, Rowenzi Contreras is another guy that we saw at the end of last year that came onto the scene, played very well. O'Neill Cruz, obviously, as you already mentioned, he's going to be there also. But you're talking about possible the possibility way later in the year that you might even see Quinn Priester for a weekend. You might see Nick Gonzalez. You might see Tucapita Marcano. You might see a lot of these guys come up. You could see a Carter Benz or a Jamie Ritchie potentially uh, fulfill that backup catcher role that is absolutely awful right now with Michael Perez. I would rather have Yadier Molina than Michael Perez right now because Yadi at least is very good defensively as well. Uh, no knock on Michael Perez at all, but he's just not that great. But then you're also talking about Travis Swaggerty, Kanan Smith and Jigba, brother of Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. If he can have the same impact that his brother has at Ohio State and Pittsburgh, I think people will be very happy. Um, and then you're looking at a lot of different guys, too, that like are kind of fringe, but I can't say they will be here this year. But I'll definitely a lot more than just O'Neill Cruz and Rowenzi Contreras that we got last year. But I'll throw the question back at you. Is there any prospects for the Cardinals that could potentially push them over the Brewers, possibly in the NL Central. Yeah, I think you, you have some good depth pieces in the minor leagues that are close, right? Some people yeah. thought that Nolan Gorman could be on his way to the major league roster, especially with the DH, but that with the signing of Corey Dickerson and a, um, as well as Albert Pujols, that probably locks up the DH position, and Gorman just needed more time with the minor leagues. I would expect to see him by year's end. I would expect to see Juan Yepes by year's end because we know the injuries are going to happen, right? So those are two names, and Juan Yepes is somebody that just lit it up. I mean, when the Cardinals were winning 17 straight and having an, a historic last month and a half of the season, Juan Yepes was doing some incredible things down in Memphis at the AAA level. He So much so that he made the wild card game roster uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals when they played the Los Angeles Dodgers last year. Th- those are two names that jumped right off the page at me. If Jordan Walker does what he did last year, I, I believe he's 20 years old still, maybe 21, but I think he's 20. Um, 
You could see him maybe as a September call-up. He's going to be starting the year. It was announced on Tuesday. He'll be starting the year in Double A Springfield. So you could see him maybe just to get his toes wet, right, or his feet wet. And then Matthew Liebertor from the pitching side of things. He is somebody that uh, Ali Marmal, the manager, talked about needing just a little bit more focus, a little bit more uh, seasoning down at the minor leagues, minor league level. Excuse me. But he, he's part of that pitching depth, and every team needs pitching depth if they want to win. And with Jack Flaherty going down for the St. Louis Cardinals, their depth is going to be tested. I still like their rotation one to four. That fifth starter spot could be an area of weakness for St. Louis, but that's where Libertor could come in. Uh, the Cardinals also announcing uh, that Andre Pallante um, will make the opening day roster as the 15th uh, slot. They're carrying 15 pitchers uh, on the roster uh, for the first month as the rosters were expanded to 28 and there's no minimum. So those are names that jump out. The Cardinals system is really top heavy. Uh, Yvonne Herrera is another name that we won't see this year because of Molina and Kisner at the catching position, but that's another name at the top that Cardinal fans should be excited for, for the future. Uh, but, but, we're talking about, about spring training, shortened spring training. Um, the number one goal is, is to leave healthy, right? And the Cardinals are doing that by and large outside of Jack Flaherty and Alex Reyes. And th- those are two names that, that really hurt you, especially Flaherty in their starting rotation. Because now, like I said, that fifth starter spot could be an opener or a piggyback situation. Are the Pirates leaving spring training healthy or do they have some injury bugs? Uh, well, I mean, Key Brian Hayes was day-to-day with a right ankle sprain, but he was still fielding. The only thing he really wasn't doing was base running, so he hasn't played in about a week. Uh, Sam Howard, uh, one of our bigger bullpen guys, will also probably be on the 10-day, more than likely to start the year, and Greg Allen as well, um, an outfielder who looked really good that they got off of waivers from the New York Yankees, who a lot of people want to see start over Anthony Alford. Outside of that, everybody seems okay. Michael Chavis has a kind of a nagging little injury thing going on as well. But as I you mentioned earlier about me tweeting about it, they're saying Key Brian Hayes should be available for tomorrow, which I would be elated about because he does want to play 162. Is he going to play 162? No, that rarely ever happens in baseball ever anymore. Um, But seeing him have a fully healthy season would be major for the Pittsburgh Pirates moving forward. I mean, huge, because you saw last year the elation that I had when he hit that home run at Wrigley Field on opening day, and then he screws his wrist up the very next day and is out for three months. So hopefully we get key Brian Hayes for a full year, and hopefully the injury bug doesn't stab a lot of our good players too much. Well, I'm just looking forward to hopefully a full year of Dylan Carlson versus Key Brian Hayes, something we talked yeah. a lot about last offseason. Hopefully we'll finally get that in 2022. But the offseasons, for all intents and purposes, it's over. Baseball's coming our way tomorrow. Cardinals Pirates, I believe it's a 3:15 local time first pitch, uh, 3:10 maybe opening day festivities starting at 1:30 to 2 o'clock, and nobody does opening day like the Cardinals do at Bush Stadium. So we're going to talk about our roundtable discussion yesterday. We're going to give our recaps on it, kind of give more of our thoughts on the division as a whole, and then we're going to finish the show by getting series specific to this upcoming series. If you're listening on your podcasting platforms, we'll be back in just a minute. And if you're watching on YouTube, stay right here. We're going to be talking about our roundtable discussion next. So once again, if you missed our roundtable discussion yesterday, be sure to head back on either Ethan Seed on Locked on Pirates, mine on Locked on Cardinals, Reds, Brewers, Cubs, whoever you want to give the download to. Go and listen to it. It's a great discussion. Uh, got to meet a couple of those guys for the first time yesterday myself. I don't know about you, Ethan. But I think that this NL Central could be an intriguing division from start to finish. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you're looking at Milwaukee, who didn't get any worse. The Cardinals, for all intents and purposes, didn't get in really any worse. The Cubs go and get Shea Suzuki and Marcus Stroman, so arguably they got better. Really, the only two teams that sold off this offseason were the Pirates and the Reds. The Reds maybe a little bit more than the Pirates, as you mentioned before, but this is going to be a very intriguing division because if the Cubs and the Reds somehow figure it out, you're talking about a four-horse race. Even maybe a three if even one of the two figure it out. But I do think that it does come down to St. Louis and Milwaukee at the end of the day, which is what it was last year. And even Vinny said it um, on our roundtable yesterday, it's hard to replicate 95 wins. It really is. So I think that you could be talking about the Cardinals and the Brewers being in the 80, (coughs) excuse me, in the 86 to 90 win range, both of them going into the final weekend trying to reclaim that NL Central crown. Well, Vinny even threw out the the number 100 win yeah, for the was, Milwaukee Brewers, which I thought was a bold take and a bold prediction. But if you're going to go bold, why not go bold all the way? Vinny was very high on the, the Brewers pitching, and, and how can you not be? I mean, as he mentioned, you have three bona fide Cy Young candidates in Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, and Corbin Burns. I mean, oh, yeah. no matter what's, what series you're playing, I mean, you're going to face one of those three 95% of the time. So you're looking at least one to three games a series – as oh boy, we got we got to be on today from an offensive standpoint from the other team. So that that's a tough task to beat. It really is. If they stay healthy, that that's a, that's a dangerous pitching staff. And then you go to the back end of the bullpen. You've got Dennis uh, or uh, Williams, blanking on his first name right now, um, and then you've got Josh Hader as well. So you have the, these uh, uh, Devin Williams, excuse me. Uh, you have the, the back end of the bullpen on lockdown as well. Suter's a solid arm, I believe, is returning this year, but. From start to finish, that pitching staff is, is scary. Their offense doesn't intimidate me as much as Vinny kind of sold it out to be. Um, like you said, they didn't get any worse. They did add Hunter Renfro to, to the fold there. That could make them better. Christian Yelich is their X factor. If, yeah. if he is the Christian Yelich of 2019, then yeah, that offense is a little scary. But if he's the Christian Yelich of the last two years, this offense really isn't that scary to me. But the, the Reds and the Cubs, you mentioned it. If, if, if they can figure it out, if their question marks go their way, and they become uh, periods or exclamation points as success for the Cubs and Reds, it could turn into a two, three, four uh, horse race. And with two playoff spots coming from this division, if the Cardinals, from the Cardinals perspective, if they don't make the playoffs with with a new format, that would be a a big loss from yeah. in, in my mind, obviously. Um, anytime the Cardinals don't make the playoffs these days, it's a bit of a shock, but you throw in the, the extra playoff spots that MLB has, then it's an extra shock, especially in Ali Marmol's first year. What were some of your other big takeaways from the roundtable discussion yesterday? Uh, well, talking about also the trade chips. I mean, yeah. I, you already know me enough, but like Brian Reynolds is here to stay for now. Uh, They've been talking to him about an extension. Uh, Ben Charrington has openly said that the relationship between Reynolds and the team has not been tarnished because of the arbitration hearing between the teams where they were $650,000 apart. And, I mean, again, if he's made available, he might not only be the best trade chip in the NL Central, he might be the best trade chip in baseball. Based off of how he played last year, I I don't know how you can argue with that. And... I mean, you heard Jeff mention Luis Castillo as well. He could be an X-factor, back-of-the-end rotation guy down the stretch for a team if that 
turns out the way it wants to. And that's one thing that looking from the Cardinals from an outside lens is you did add starting pitching in Steven Matz, but you mentioned already that the fifth starter could be a potential issue for you guys. I think the Cardinals are definitely going to address that at some point this year because some team is going to want to offload a player, especially a pitcher. It happens all the time. Now, in division trades, they don't happen too often here in the NL Central. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. They might happen elsewhere, but these NL Central teams don't like trading with each other at all. But, um, I mean, Reynolds, Castillo, you could, the list goes on and on about trade ships that you could have in this division. Yeah, I think that uh, what, what Andrew uh, talked about a lot on Cubs, the Wilson Contreras one is intriguing. Um, yes. And Vinny pointed it out as well that the Cubs have set themselves up to buy or sell at the mm-hmm. deadline. You know, they could buy, add on to the Contreras, or they could sell Contreras, and maybe they wouldn't sell Suzuki after signing him to, I believe, a five-year contract. But they, they do set themselves up pretty nicely to buy or sell. I just think Luis Castillo, when healthy and when right, is one of the, the top arms in the division, if not the entire league. Uh, so that's why yesterday I played devil's advocate a little bit and said that he's the most valuable trade chip in the division. But I, and I said that as well because every team, you, you alluded to it a little bit, every team wants pitching come July, come September, come October. Every team's going to want that arm. A lot of teams want bullpen help. I get that. But if you get Luis Castillo to your starting rotation, there's not one rotation in baseball that doesn't, doesn't need Luis Castillo. Not one. Because you, you always have like, – He's just that valuable, right? When when he's healthy, when he's right. So his performance early in the year, I know he's got a little bit of an injury bug right now. His performance in the middle of the year will, I think, show um, whether or not he is most valuable. And as well as, I think, Brian Reynolds, you pretty much know his value, what you're going to get from a guy like him. But it could be interesting to see because I think both the Reds and Cubs have set themselves up to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. The Pirates are likely either going to sell Reynolds or Stan Pat and build for the future. Cardinals and Brewers are going to be buyers. You know, I, I, I don't want to spoil whether or not the Cardinals are contenders or pretenders. You'll get that uh, video out yesterday on, on the social media feeds. But I think that, that the Cardinals are going to be buyers at the deadline. You mentioned that they're probably going to address starting pitching. A lot of fans um, have wanted them already to address it. A lot of people were upset that they didn't get Sean Manaya. A lot of fans are going to be upset if and when they don't get Frankie Montas from the Oakland Athletics. And I agree with you, they're not getting Castillo. Castillo is not going in division because even though the Reds don't tend to get much for their players, the asking price within a division is going to be exponentially higher than what it would be outside the division. 100%. And also, I mean, the Pirates also, from a standpoint, could say, hey, there's more trade trade suitors this year. And I've talked about this with a lot of the guests on my uh, podcast as well. Because right. of that extra playoff spot, a lot of more teams are going to say, well, I'm the eighth seed in the National League. If I trade for so-and-so, I could potentially be that sixth seed. So mm-hmm. it, it changes now. And I mean, a lot of people don't understand the ramifications of one extra playoff spot in each league, but the Toronto Blue Jays would have been a playoff team last year if it was not for this format. Well, shoot, so are the Reds. Yeah, the Reds would have been a playoff team. They probably would have had a whole different kind of uh, thought process heading into this year. Probably re-signing Castellanos, keeping Jesse Winker and those guys that they all traded off. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting come July when the trade deadline comes around, even for the Pirates, for who they're going to be trading. I mean, Chris Stratton could be a guy that they trade, a relief pitcher. You're looking at starting pitching that you could probably move like a Jose Quintana and stuff like that. It's going to be fun because there's going to be a lot more suitors and the MLB trade deadline is already crazy. And yeah. in the NL Central, especially as you mentioned, if the Cubs and the Reds somehow figure it out and are buyers and there's four teams buying within division, the NL Central is going to be fun down the stretch. 
I agree. And I think I read somewhere that the NL trade deadline got pushed back to August 2nd. With the new CBA, they have the flexibility there. So, you know, we, and we all know how MLB is with their deadlines. <laughs> they yeah. were able to push it back a few days. So we'll see what the deadline brings. I remember a couple of years ago, it was the, it was the deadline when Cespedes and Lester both got traded uh, or something like that. And I just remember that, that deadline being so exciting because it was major leaguers being traded for major leaguers. It wasn't yep. major leaguer first prospects or whatever. So I hope we get that kind of excitement at the deadline. It's always fun when two buyers make a trade rather than a buyer and a seller make a mm-hmm. trade. But I agree with you tenfold that this NL Central division is going to be just super exciting from start to finish. I can't wait to get started tomorrow. Yeah, same. I mean, it's going to be fun. And um, if you got, if you do need something to get started tomorrow, Lucas, make sure you check out Built Bar, of course. We all have Built Bars here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you can ever have on planet Earth. And, you know, have you tried Puffs? They're pretty have, good. They're pretty, they're pretty good. good. Yeah. They're the first protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. And of course, like Puffs, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are low-calorie and high-protein, and you should replace your candy bars with these because they are better for you. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of net sugar and net carbs, and 7 17 grams of protein and of course they have nine different unique flavors on the website all the time and you can get a mix box where you'll get two of the each or two of each of the nine unique flavors in that box when you order at built.com and at built bar they are all about the taste they make it taste delicious first then figure out how to make it healthy and i don't know how but they pull it off every time so go to built.com use the promo code lock 15 and get 15 percent off of your order when you invest in the best protein bars on the planet and before And also, when we come back, we are going to get very series-centric. So if you're on YouTube, stay right here. If you're on other podcast platforms, we will be right back. Baseball is back tomorrow. It's an exciting time for all-around baseball. I'm really excited that the Cardinals and Pirates are playing on Thursday instead of Friday. Even though you and I might have some conflicts in terms of being able to watch, we're going to figure it out. We're going to yeah. be – it's going to be fun because baseball is back. And as I mentioned near the top of the show, nobody does opening day like Bush. It's it's one of the best opening days in, in all of sports in general. You've got the Clydesdales, the Red Jackets coming out, Hall of Famers come back. Oh, it's just glorious. My bucket list is an opening day in St. Louis – and the, the Cardinals and Pirates seem to be playing each other often early in the year. I think they were supposed to open up at Pittsburgh anyways. Yeah. And now they're opening up in St. Louis. It'll be Brubaker versus Wainwright on Thursday for a 3.15 Central Time first pitch. What can you tell me about Brubaker, Ethan? Uh, well, last year started the year very hot. Uh, but if we all remember last year, a lot of pitchers' arms were just kind of like this at the end of the year. Um, but he didn't do too terrible last year. His arm just kind of shut down on him. He's basically a four to five innings guy, which even on opening day, that's all you're really expecting out of your starting pitcher most of the time. Um, very strike zone oriented, very pitches to contact, very like he gives up the home run ball a lot too. So that kind of scares me a little bit. And he's also the seventh different Pirates opening day starter in the past seven years. That includes guys like Garrett Cole, Francisco Liriano, and A.J. Burnett. Um, So that's going to be fun. 
Um, but I see you guys also have Adam Wainwright. I mean, last year, I I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he replicates it again this year. But Adam Wainwright, notorious Pirates killer, of course. I think this should be a fun pitching matchup, though, for some reason. Opening day is always weird. I feel like Brubaker might come out and pitch five scoreless innings or something. Wainwright comes out and matches it, pitch five scoreless innings, and then the fireworks start in the sixth inning. I have no idea, though, because maybe Brubaker picks it up from last year. Maybe he has a full arm. We'll see. Well, Adam Wainwright, you know what you're getting. You're getting that old Uncle Charlie, as I like to say, uh, as they like to say on the Cardinals telecast. Uh, Adam Wainwright, what he did last year, you alluded to it, was, was simply remarkable. I think he was he was top three in the league in innings pitched, um, 16, 17 wins thereabouts. J- just remarkable. He became the ace of the staff. Not many 39-year-olds had the capability to become the ace of the staff, let alone do it like Adam Wainwright did uh, when Jack Flutter went down in June. He was the anchor. He really was, and I've learned to not bet against Adam Wainwright, and I have really learned not to bet against Adam Wainwright when he's pitching at home. And both of those things are happening tomorrow as he makes a home opener debut. I think it's his seventh opening day start, passes Bob Gibson for the most all-time in a Cardinal uniform, I believe. Uh, He'll be pitching to Yadier Molina, making another opening day start. Likely that hasn't been officially announced yet. But what has been officially announced, despite the Pirates starting a right-hander, is Albert Pujols will start at DH for the 22nd consecutive opening day. Uh, just a remarkable career that will be coming to an end at the end of the season. It's it's poetic that he's coming back to do it in a Cardinal uniform. No matter how you feel about the Cardinals, whether you love him or hate him, it's good for, for, the, for them that Albert gets to come back, finish his career in St. Louis. Uh, Molina's also calling up quits at the end of this year. Wainwright has not said officially, although that's the way the Cardinals are marketing it, that it's his final year. So, it's going to be loud at Bush tomorrow. I mean, it's going to be the definition of home field advantage tomorrow when the Pirates visit the Cardinals at Bush Stadium. And again, baseball series are so hard to predict, even on opening day when you know the the, the, the pitching matchups and everything. The Cardinals are going to go Wainwright, Michaelis, Matt uh, on their first three. So we'll get to see the new Cardinal arm on Sunday. We'll get to see Michaelis hopefully return to form on Saturday as the Pirates and Cardinals do have an off day on Friday. Do you know who the Pirates are going with on Saturday and Sunday? They have not released it yet, and do not forget, they also play each other on Monday. This is a four-game series to start the year, um, which then follows with the greatest day of the baseball season, 4-1-2 day. I don't know how the Pirates pulled this off, but opening day, 4-1-2, pitch start time, 4-1-2, I was like, yeah, awesome. Like, that's pretty pretty darn cool. And yeah. I mean, I will also buck here. The St. Louis Cardinals do have a very good opening day like thing like that as well. Yep. But I cannot wait until next Tuesday as well to see all the Pirates fans go back. That's going to be phenomenal. Um, but no, we have not released who we will be have or will be having for the next. Uh, three games following this, but they did announce that Jose Quintana will be the opening day starter in Pittsburgh. So that leaves probably Mitch Keller, Bryce Wilson, Zach Thompson, somewhere in that order. That's probably where you'll see it. Um, But I have not heard anything yet as to who the other starters will be. I believe Zach, uh, Zach Thompson was pitching today. So maybe he goes on Sunday, Mm -hmm. but it just really depends on how Derek Shelton wants to throw it out there. But again, I'm just really excited to see Diego Castillo, Key Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, 
I'm, I'm excited for all of it. Even I'm excited to watch Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> Screw it. They're great players. <laughs> I mean, we get to see great players in action, and, and mm-hmm. you know, it's about time that baseball's back. It is. You'll also, in my opinion, get to see the best outfield in all of baseball when Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dylan Carlson grace the outfield of St. Louis. All afternoon start times this weekend. One fi- or 3.15, as I mentioned, local time on opening day. One fifteen local on both Saturday and Sunday, and one fifteen on the getaway day on Monday. And the Cardinals have their first night game on that Tuesday the 12th against Kansas City. I'm not, I'm not going to say what's your prediction of a series win, but what does a successful series look like as we begin to wrap up the show? What does a successful series look like from the Pirates' standpoint? One win, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of how you have to look at it this year again is it's not really about the wins and the losses. It's more about the progression of these young players. Um, right. But if they find a way to even this series to open the year, that's a great start. I mean, you saw last year against the Cubs, they got off to a great start, and then the Reds absolutely obliterated them the next series. So you never really know, honestly. It's just one of those things that it just really depends on how you want to, like Pirates fans and Cardinals fans want to call a good series. It's the mm-hmm. first series of the year. I mean, none of these, I don't want to say they don't matter because in the grand scheme of things, they do. But April and May... You're really just trying to get these guys on their feet, make sure that you're getting good quality at-bats, good quality innings from your pitchers as well. So that's all I'm really looking for. Just give me good starting pitching, good bullpen relief, and good at-bats from some of these players that I'm not expecting to get them from. So I would say splitting the series is probably the best outcome I think they can get. One win would be arguably a good outcome for the Pirates, though. Yeah, I think the Cardinals need to look to go three out of four. I think a successful series for them does look like a series win, even mm-hmm. in a four-game set, even opening weekend. Everything. You know, if the Cardinals want to win the division, that, that's where their sights need to be. They need to. I mean, they play Milwaukee next weekend for a four-game set as well. So right off the bat, they're playing the other division favorite. Um, obviously, I want every player on, on both teams to remain healthy after three days. You don't want to see yeah. anybody get hurt in the opening weekend, no matter who you root for. Uh, so looking for that as well. You know, it's it's easy to both overreact positively and negatively when you look at opening day uh, or opening weekend numbers. You know, if Albert goes out there, hits a home run, Goldschmidt, Arenado, you know, hit a couple homers, get a couple RBIs, then you know, all of a sudden your emotions go through the roof. It's a marathon, and you know this, Ethan, but it, it is an absolute marathon. Sometimes it takes longer to get to the finish line than others, but just trying to keep our cool right on both sides of the spectrum, yeah. not to be too negative when we come back to, to shows on Monday after our Friday episode. Or be too too excited, you know. Don't be like, oh, they they won three out of four, so they're winning the division. You know, it's it's not like and in football after opening weekend where one game could make or break the difference, right? So I think the Cardinals need to win three out of four, um, or I think they should win three out of four minimum. Successful series would be a split, as you mentioned. But as we say almost every time we wrap up the show together, it's going to be fun. Baseball is back. It seemed like for a while we weren't going to get here. It's going to be a blast. I cannot wait to watch Cardinal and Pirate Baseball the entire summer. And for my listeners, Ethan, tell them where they can find you if they want to get a Pirate's perspective on the game. Of course, you guys can find me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan. If you're on YouTube, it's right there. You can also find me on Twitter at Locked on Pirates. You guys have been awesome at hitting the subscribe button on YouTube. We're at 224 subscribers now, so we're climbing on up the ladder there you go. Uh, on Twitter as well. We're almost at 900. So a lot of you Twitter followers slide onto the YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button for everything. We're going to be talking about pirates, prospects, baseball, storylines, everything over the next 
six or seven months. So it's going to be awesome. And Lucas, I'm sure everything that you're going to be having over at the Cardinals is going to be awesome as well. You bet. You can follow me on Twitter right down there if you're watching on YouTube at LJFastball. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. Followers have been great on Twitter and we're almost to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube on the Locked On Cardinals channel. I believe we're at 848 at last check. So Cardinal subscribers, go ahead and head over and subscribe to Ethan. And Pirate subscribers, go ahead and head over and subscribe to Locked On Cardinals on YouTube. Hit the bell to, to be notified when our new videos go live. And we're five days a week, Monday to Friday, barring any technical travel emergency issues we are monday to friday we thank you for making locked on pirates and locked on cardinals your first listen of the day head over to locked on mlb next where paul francis sullivan gives you his take on baseball but be sure to call him sully baseball is back ethan this was a blast looking forward to more crossovers this year until ethan and i talk to you the next time be sure to stay safe stay well and have a fantastic rest of your day